Ladies and gentlemen, I would sing the Eric Bischoff song, but that's been done before. I've done it a couple times. My name is Matt Sin, also known as Very Tired Matt Sin. I'm here with Very Hungry Micah Sin and Very Sick Kyle Pauly. At least two of those things are true. How you guys doing? I just ate, so I'm not that hungry. <laughs> I had a slob stuck up my nose Monday, so uh, <laughs> if, I, if I sound stuffy this episode. It tickled your I'm brain sorry. a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's that bronchitis. It's not Corona, by the way, guys. Don't be too worried. Well, I'm still waiting test results, so we don't know for sure. Oh, but I'm like 95 percent well, sure. Luckily, you're a couple states away from me, so no big deal. Yeah, so if I'm if I'm sniffing and you know all that stuff, that's that's why. But just out of precaution, I went ahead and got the test because obviously I, my girlfriend lives with me, and yeah, you know, we just want to roll it out. But I, I've had I have a long history of sinus issues, and I've it's obviously sinus season stuff coming in and we have four dogs so it was bound to happen so right uh, we're pretty confident that it's not but i got tested anyway being responsible so yes i had a swab shoved up my nose and uh i (laughs) i coughed right into the doctor's face as she did it because it was so uncomfortable but she did have a visor on so i think she's safe smart move well tune in next week folks and we'll find out if kyle has corona (laughs) (laughs) we'll start calling you corona kyle um, so did you know between the three of us, we have six dogs and I have zero? That is... Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted nice. to point that out. Yeah. Be nice. It's not bad. It's not bad. Oh, man. So we have opened the show having a lot of fun because this is the first time that all three of us has been on a episode, on a full episode in a little while because I took a hiatus because uh, I was having a very difficult time watching WWE and I wanted to focus on Andy Focus as well. I've got a couple more of those already recorded. So I'm, I'm caught up. I'm getting ready for my vacation. But I, so I wanted to show back up. And I wanted to uh, do a little bit of a raw review. But before we get into that, I think we need to talk about the speaking out stuff. And the world is going through a lot of crazy things right now, right? But this is something that can't really be ignored. 2020 sucks. Yeah, it does. It's awful. And and <laughs> this is actually a good thing. That's I mean, what I was it's, saying, it's right? Awful like it, things, it is good. But yeah, it's a good thing that it's happening. Yeah. So awful things happened, but good things will hopefully come of it because these horrible, terrible, miserable people will be banned from wrestling. Their schools will be shut down. Uh, their their Uh, promotions will be shut down and I'm not one to say, man, I hope this guy or this girl can no longer, you know, um, provide for themselves and no longer be able to work. But look, if you are doing some of the things that you're being accused of doing, I hope you are no longer able to work with other people. And I think that's fair to say, go get you a job where you have to be alone, get you a job where you have to be in a room with a bunch of people because yeah, like, you like, obviously can't handle power. Like prison? Well, some some of them. Some of them belong so, in prison, if we're being honest. Just, <laughs> there has been a lot of names that have been pointed out, and we're a couple days into it now, so if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know, but just to name a couple of the popular people, Matt Riddle has been accused Joey Ryan has been accused. Marty Skrull has been accused. And there there have been quite a few others. Uh, uh, Jack Gallagher has been let go by the WWE at this point. That is correct. 
so a lot of most of these are rape. I mean, I, I can't say it in a nicer way. Like I'm sitting here trying to think of my words and how can I, but it, do they really deserve it? They don't deserve it. So uh, most of these are rape. There have been some that has not been accused of something so heinous. So instead of being let go or ostracized from the wrestling community, they have been suspended or sent to rehab. Uh, two of those names are Jimmy Havoc and Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is going for uh, sensitivity yeah. training. Sensitivity training. Uh, I think Jimmy Havoc is literally going to uh, the same thing that Jeff Hardy went through because he's addicted to alcohol. I don't know that to be the truth because I haven't read it, but I do know that it was alcohol was blamed on the things that he did, which, to my knowledge, was not rape. Uh, he like punched a fan or something, which is also horrible. Yeah, but. he was also accused of uh, being mentally abusive to his ex girlfriend. Right, um, it seems like he really just has some mental issues he needs to work right. through, um, and and perhaps some alcohol abuse uh, issues as well. As we know, he got into a scuffle with Excalibur early on in his AEW career. Yeah, um, so we have seen that even recently. But yeah, uh, they they have put him on suspension without pay. And also we're saying uh, Sammy Guevara has been put on suspension and his pay is being donated to the Jacksonville Women's Center, which is, I think, is a pretty good move by AEW. It's a, it's a great place, too. So yeah. I live in Jacksonville, and that's, they do a lot of good for the community. So it's, you know, I, Keith Lee came out today, six foot two, 320-pound Keith Lee, and said and told a story that he didn't even tell his close friends or family about how he was drugged and taken advantage of. He said he was talking to a woman, told her he wasn't interested because he was in a relationship. Then he was drugged and he found himself where he woke up in a hotel room naked. Six foot two, 320 pound Keith Lee. So think about that. So it's just this, I, I, I am not the best person to speak on this because I'm not a professional wrestler. I have been a ring announcer one time. That is the extent of my wrestling experience. But I'm a human being, and I know that these people are absolutely miserably horrible, and I don't want innocent people to have to deal with this kind of stuff in a locker room. You shouldn't. I did an Indie Focus with a guy named Kyle Boone. Uh, if you guys have been listening to Indie Focus for a long time, Shiloh, it's her boyfriend. He told a story on his Twitter account, which I won't recant here because it's disgusting, uh, Which, but you can go look it up. It's not just girls that this is happening to. It's happening to everyone. And this whatever is happening absolutely has to stop. Yeah, and I, I even share with you guys, um, There, uh, there's a former MMA fighter. Well, he still can do MMA, but... Uh, Filthy Tom Waller, who is on the uh, Wrestling Observer uh, pretty frequently. He does shows on there. Uh, he's a wrestler for MLW. He shared a story this week of someone that uh, tried to sexually assault him. Luckily, he it was like when he was sleeping, he was able to wake up in time, and uh, the guy tried to like come on to him, and he just told the dude like, "Hey, don't don't try it," like or you know, or see what will happen basically. And he scared the dude off because he was had a girlfriend at the time. He didn't want anything to do with this guy. And he just came out this week and shared that story and uh, made a good point of like, I'm lucky because I'm a fighter. Everybody knows that. And I'm able to defend myself, but 
a lot of these victims, a lot of these women, uh, or even in Keith Lee's case, the man was drugged, didn't know what was going on. He couldn't defend himself. There's a lot of people who can't defend themselves and they're not as lucky sometimes. So it's, yeah, horrible, horrible stuff. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I think one of the best things that can come from this is a reformation in the way things are handled uh, in indie wrestling and in all of wrestling. Uh, most of these stories come from indie promotions, but I mean, I've seen stories where uh, men and women are sharing the same dressing room in indie promotions. Uh, it, basically, these these people who are in uh, a compromising position, uh, these these women especially in compromising position, don't appear to be given the best treatment as as I would feel they should be. Um, so I really hope there's a reformation on the way that is handled. Uh, some some safety nets put in place. I mean, it 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 shouldn't happen. It's it's negligent that it, any anyone would even allow things like this to happen. Uh, and I think it's really a responsibility of a lot of people around around you to to stand up. I mean, if you see something, say something. That's what you've always heard. Uh, and the fact that this many accusations are coming out by this many people uh, in the just the wrestling community is astonishing. So I think everybody really needs to step up and, and, and watch out for their fellow man, fellow woman uh, in situations like this. So yeah, I do think it's important to point out, too, because um, we are going to be talking about them later. So I think it's we kind of should point it out. Um, we we kind of looped them in together, but I think they are at, at this time anyway, separate cases, especially Sammy. Uh, Sammy Guevara, his incident is a little bit different. He, he obviously made a horrible comment on a podcast. Uh, and he, he got a lot of hate from people all about the comment. It was a terrible comment, um, he, that he was making as a joke, but, uh, should not have been said, obviously. And it was several years ago. Um, he's been suspended by AEW. He, he's, some people were calling for him to be fired. Obviously we have the unfortunate thing I believe is that, uh, Sammy kind of got looped into all this. And although it is a horrible comment, there were actual rapists out there doing, you know, these acts, whereas Sammy made a horrible comment as a joke. Uh, to my knowledge, Sammy's never actually done any kind of, you know, nefarious acts like this. And the, and he came up front and apologized to everybody called, uh, Sasha Banks, who was making the comment about immediately, uh, even Sasha confirmed it. they had a talk with each other and it was, you know, productive. And he released a video, uh, as well today, I believe. Right. Or, yeah. Um, so he, he's come out and apologized like as much as he can. I don't think he's got a problem with the suspension at this point. Uh, and especially because his salary is going to be going to a good cause. I think he's going to be okay with that. But I don't, if, if people who are listening don't know what's going on, I want to make clear that like I don't, yeah. Sammy's not on the level of some of these guys. And um, as well, Matt Riddle, we're going to be talking about him because it was his debut this week on SmackDown. Um, he has accusations that are pretty, I mean, if they came out to be true are very serious Disgusting. and and he would be fired, uh, definitely. And would be probably kicked out of wrestling forever. Uh, he, they're terrible, uh, accusations. Uh, his lawyers come out and made a statement saying that this woman was a stalker. She's harassed Matt Riddle and his wife, their family since, really since he started in WWE or maybe even a little bit before from 2008. So it appears as, as we're recording this and from all the information that we know that Matt Riddle, it, it's unclear if, if he's actually 
guilty of these things. It's kind of a, you know, one side versus the other. And, you know, they, they supposedly had like a restraining order or were seeking a restraining order or something against this girl. So it's kind of muddy the water a little bit. Uh, so as of right now, WWE has, they're looking at the situation. They obviously didn't take him off the SmackDown show. So it, it appears that as of right now, he's innocent until proven guilty. And um, yeah, so those are the two kind of unique cases with this whole thing. And then we're going to be talking about on this show. Yeah. Yeah. I think every case is unique. And just so everyone knows, we're not defending or accusing anyone of anything. Right. It's just, we're trying to state the facts given because we know you guys listen to us. So partially for our opinion, but mostly because you want to know what's going on with the wrestling world. So again, we're not saying that Matt Riddle is a great person. Sammy Guevara is a great person or that they're terrible people. We don't, we don't know what happened in Matt Riddle's case. We don't. And although Sammy Guevara was, did a horrible thing, it's safe to say that what he said is not the same than what happened to Joey, that what happened with Joey Ryan and what Marty Skrull has been accused of and all these other uh, promoters that have done things to underage girls. What Sammy Guevara did was bad, but it wasn't the same. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning as well on, on, you can watch the video for yourself, but it really does seem like Sammy Guevara has uh, noticed the error of his ways. And yeah. it really does seem, I think that taking the sensitivity training and, and coming back at a later date, uh, I think we will get a better Sammy Guevara as a person. Yeah. So, uh, so just if AEW, if, if he wrestled in WWE, he'd come back as a baby face. Yeah. 100%. He would, it would get work. It would get, uh, it would get shot into a work <laughs> every time it would happen. Uh, like, like Jeff Hardy, look at Jeff Hardy. Yeah. I mean, he gets suspended for DUI, comes back as a baby face. They turn it into a storyline. Yeah. Uh, that's the way they work. So we'll see what happens with AEW. Uh, I will say his current gimmick will be a little weird, uh, with the current climate. They're, they're 100% dropping the less sex God's name. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to change that, and they're also gonna have to change the whole his whole thing is like flirting with girls, Spanish and God, up and Spanish God. Yeah, so it's gonna be gonna be a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I don't think he necessarily has to drop the Spanish with God, God thing, or really even flirting with girls, but he can't be called a sex god. Can't. Yeah. So it's not not been a not been a real winner of a name to begin with. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> no, not I don't know. I don't know, but we're 15 minutes in the show. We've shared a lot, and we've gotten real serious, and I feel like this had to happen a lot lately because of all the tragedies that have been going on in professional wrestling. So let's uh, let's try to chin up, and let's talk about some fun stuff. Let's That's talk right. about AEW from last week. Boom, let's go ignite. Yeah. Let's do a dynamite. All right. <laughs> we start out the show. We've got Hangman and Kenny versus the Natural Nightmares. I was surprised to see the tag titles up, up for grabs to open up the show. Uh, I was expecting it to be actually the main event of the night, really. Uh, either that or the TNT Championship. Spoiler alert, it wasn't either one of them. But yeah, we opened nope. up the show. Uh, I think that the announcers actually did a good job of letting us know what's going on with Ali and QT. Uh, a lot of times AEW leaves stuff that happens on Dark uh, kind of out there. And when you watch Dynamite, you don't know what's going on. But I think they did a good job of explaining everything with that. Uh, we even saw some scrolling text across the bottom of the screen a couple times throughout the show. It was amazing because yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't watch dark, 
So I'd looked at my beautiful wife and I said, I'm so glad they're doing this because I don't know what's happening on Dark. Just results. That's all that I wanted. It was perfect. Just win-loss. And, and I think that's something they'll probably keep up. And it looks very good. Uh, kind of like you're watching an, an actual sport and you see what the other teams are doing during that, that, that program right. kind of thing. But yeah, that was really good. Um, and to go into this match, the match started out with Kenny versus Dustin. And did you ever think in 2020 you get Kenny Omega versus Dustin Rhodes? No. That's, that's a matchup I never thought I would see. Really weird, honestly, of a matchup. Uh, Kenny ended up bumping Dustin into the ring post, leaving him a little dazed. He managed to shake it off, and uh, him and QT joined together to get some double-team maneuvers. And I will say that during this match, I feel like the Natural Nightmares got a little bit too much offense for me. Uh, they're facing Kenny and Hangman, the most powerful tag team in all of AEW, the longest reigning tag team in all of AEW now, uh, I just feel like the Natural Nightmares, which in my opinion, I know that they've been doing pretty good as of late, but they're the jobber tag team to me. That's just, it's, it's, it's an old gym teacher and an old wrestler. And I know QT's only like 34, but he's an <laughs> old gym teacher. Uh, Dustin hit a few top rope cannonballs, one outside and one in the ring. Uh, QT Marshall hit Kenny with a diamond cutter, and as he's doing that, Allie is coming out because she's not at ringside uh, for the beginning of this match. They, not- they-, they noted that. Uh, only Brandy was out there because her and Brandy have been not getting along. Uh, but yeah, as he's hitting him with a diamond cutter, Allie comes out, and then QT goes to the top rope to hit a moonsault. Uh, Kenny was able to roll out of the way, and that allowed Kenny and Hangman to get back in it, and they hit the Natural Nightmare, or I think QT Marshall specifically, with the last call, and came up with the win. Still your tag team champions. Everybody saw that coming. But yeah, I, I, this match really didn't hit it for me. It really didn't. Uh, I think I can probably go out and say this is my least favorite match involving Hangman and Kenny. Just, it, well, was, just, it was just a match. I mean, th- their matches generally are bangers. I mean, they're yeah, exactly. favorite tag team currently, probably of all time. I mean, I just, anytime they're in the ring, so good. Uh this match was just, it was just a match. And I think we're just not used to seeing that from, from Kenny and Hangman. Right. Uh, so Dustin bonked his head for real in this match. Yeah. It was like a uh, Goldberg versus Undertaker kind of thing. Yeah. And so he had to tag out. So that really took away up. They probably had to improvise. And uh, that was the, the, he was not the only Rhodes that night to legit bonk his head in the middle of a match. So there you go. We'll I was actually surprised later. I let him continue because uh, yeah. usually they'll at least hard. for the most part, uh, they'll, they'll just like get them out of there and not let them continue the match. But he kept going with the match. Um, I, I did hear from uh, six years old. I did hear from some workers. They, they saw it more as like a, uh, he got hit really hard and it wasn't that they thought he had a concussion from it, but more that he, it just hurt, so he had to take a second to kind of collect himself. Like he, yeah, uh, but they didn't feel like he was like he 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 wasn't to the Goldberg level where he was like about to kill somebody for the rest of the match type thing. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was dangerous for him to be working it. Uh, but that's also in hindsight. I'm, I'm kind of just still surprised that referees Dustin didn't a, take precautions. Much, yeah, Dustin's also a much better and safer worker than Goldberg. It's true. So, yeah. Uh, it's also worth noting that Britt Baker throughout this match and throughout the opening of the show is passing notes to Tony Schiavone for him to read on commentary. And she got like a little zip line uh, thing where she's like, <laughs> she's like close pinning notes to it and sliding it towards him. 
it's great. She's sitting on a Rolls Royce, uh, which is her UTV, Rolls Royce, R-O-L-L-S, Royce. It's great uh, with Reba there. Uh, Britt Baker is fantastic. Uh, after that, we had an Anna J video package announcing that she has signed with AEW, which uh, we've seen her a couple times on Dark, I believe, and maybe on one of the Dynamites uh, in the Georgia facility when they were recording. But yeah, they, they announced earlier in the day that Anna J would be in action. So I thought, like most people, if they announce somebody's in action, that somebody is going to win, right? If they don't name the person they're facing, they're going to win because the person they're facing is not a noteworthy name that they're going to put on the card. So for sure, we're going to have a squash match, right? Right. We did have a squash match. Yeah. And out comes Anna Jay's surprise opponent, Abaddon. Now, if you watch Dark, you will remember several months back, Hikaru Shida versus Abaddon. Uh, Abaddon took Shida pretty much to the edge, but Shida was able to come up with the win. And uh, I don't really know how to explain Abaddon. Uh, Abaddon is like the grudge. She's a big old zombie. Yeah, she's a big old demon lady. Um, she, hey, nobody looks like her. Yeah, yeah. she's extremely unique. Um, I will say my favorite spot in the match, I mean, it wasn't a very long match. It was like two minutes. Uh, she's coming to the ring, and she does like the, the the crawl thing from the grudge. And she's coming to the ring, and she's she's just laying it in on Anna Jay, right? And Rick Knox comes over to break it up. And she like screams at him, and then he runs to the top rope to get away from her, and it was hilarious. Rick Knox was the perfect referee for this. Great, great refereeing. Uh, her look is very unique. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's good because it creeps me out. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's good. It's 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 unique and different. She I is closer to an alien than uh, Chris Dylander is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, I don't think her wrestling really matches her look for me. We'll see how they develop her. Uh, they did announce after the, the, this match or this show that she was signed by AEW. Uh, but yeah, she managed to get the win on Anna Jay. A uh, really big swerve. I, I really liked the swerve. Uh, after the match, the Dark Order came out and basically helped Anna Jay to the back, uh, teasing uh, an intergender stable they got going on here. Yeah, I actually, so when I saw this, they obviously, they played a package for Anna Jay and, you know, she's, you know, got potential to be a young star. They, they, they believe in her. Uh, and it was kind of surprising, as you said, that she came out and, you know, lost like this and after being hyped. And at first I was kind of like, I just kind of wasn't sure. I was like, that's kind of weird that, you know, why is she going to lose? I know this is like a character they might want to get over. It's like a killer or something, or, you know, like a unique uh, presence here, but I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, why not just let her kill a job or something? But then Dark Order came out and I was like, now it makes sense. Like it, it worked perfectly. They came out and uh, Brody Lee extended his hand to her. She accepted it. So yeah, it looks like she's going to join the Dark Order, which, hey, that, she she's coming in like fresh uh, as a new talent. I think it'd be great for her to get paired with a group like this. So uh, I think it's good. Yeah. Also worth mentioning, uh, I think... Uh, it was Uno came out and gave Colt Cabana a letter after the match. Um, contract. Contract, yes. And uh, it was revealed later that that contract was for a tag team match this week on Dynamite with Brody Lee uh, versus the Natural Nightmares, maybe? I don't remember who it was exactly. 
Yeah, I don't remember either. It doesn't matter. They're probably going to win. Yeah, they're definitely going to win. Um, and the most, uh, I guess, I don't know the word, appropriate or put together contract exchange or signing in wrestling history. Yeah. Because a fight didn't ensue. Them. Yeah. like no, a, t- no tables were broken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also, like, throughout the entire show, Colt Cabana can be seen. Like, he's not cheering. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there stoically with the contract in his hand, like, thinking, which is really good on him. I mean, he put that on yeah. for the – he sold it for the entire two hours of the show. Unlike, as my wife says, the video game crowd and the WWE shows because they're just, like, standing there randomly throwing their hands up every few seconds. Yeah, I'm expecting them to uh, pull a sign out of thin air as they do in SmackDown versus Raw. <laughs> And then put it up, and then put it back down, and just disappear. That's what it always looks like. Uh, but yeah, I think I think their decision with this match was really good because their women's division is really struggling. Uh, you bring in Abaddon as a legit threat. Um, her only history is with the champion, so it builds her as a true heel. Uh, I think is what they're going to try to build her towards as a threat for the women's championship while some other people get healthy. And you've also got Anna Jay now going with the Dark Order building her potentially as a heel and a threat to Hikaru Shida's uh, championship. So I think that's actually really good booking considering the state their women's division is in and what they need out of it right now. I want to talk about two things before we move on from this. Okay. Number one, how do you guys feel about having a zombie in a wrestling ring in a major wrestling promotion? I mean, The Undertaker. Okay. But he has three decades of established wrestling. And he came in as a zombie. That was okay. legit his first. Back year. when they had crazy. So you're okay with this, is what you're saying. Back when they had a bunch of weird, crazy gimmicks, including a chicken that debuted the same night that he <laughs> that he started wrestling. So I'm just, I'm just saying, man. It was a weird time. The 80s were weird. The 90s were weird. We got aliens. I don't know. It seems like it's still weird. I don't know. She's not like in green face paint with like tentacles coming out of her head. It's just different. Like, I I don't like it. It's going to be straight with you guys. I think it's terrible. Um, Although, I think a part of the reason I didn't like it, now she's perfectly unique, but part of the reason that I didn't like it is because in this two-minute match, she botched at least twice. And it wasn't that she like had this huge botch where she had this major screw-up like Nia Jax who just hurts everyone. She just didn't look smooth, even when she was running the ropes. I'm just like, wow, like, this girl is on the, the second biggest wrestling promotion in the United States. Like, it was just surprising because there's so many amazing female talents still out there that AEW just doesn't seem to be going after. So, yes, unique, great. Uh, this gimmick is not for me. And, again, it was two minutes. I want to see more of her, but just in that uh, first impression, not impressed at all. Her Hikaru Shida match was also not, I'm sorry, not great. Um, like I said, I don't think her work matches up with her look, not only in like level of excellence, but also in like, you know, one of the Undertaker's big thing was, hey, yeah, he could do a moonsault off the top rope if he wanted to, but he was the Undertaker, and the Undertaker doesn't do moonsaults. So his, his moveset should match that. And it just doesn't right. seem like her moveset matches the zombie thing she's going for. I have no issue with the zombie thing. We've had the Boogeyman. We've got the Fiend. We've had the Undertaker. Like I said, we got an alien now. I mean, a gimmick's a gimmick. I really don't care how outlandish. It really doesn't bother me. Um, you, She's freaky to look at. I mean, I don't enjoy looking at her. 
Um, I don't enjoy looking at the Fiend either, though, to be fair. So, yeah, I, I definitely think her work needs work. But uh, it, it's I, – I mean, she's – She's somebody to add to the women's division, and right now they need all the help they can get. And I think it's it's going to be a work in progress, especially. I mean, this is what her second match on the show, and yeah, yeah so I, I agree. She didn't work the best match ever, but uh, I, I like the look. Uh, like I said, there's nobody looks like her, so it's definitely unique. So what they do with it is, we'll see what happens. I mean, if she comes out, you know, like she starts coming out of the ground before she comes to the ring or something. And like, they try to paint her as like a real, like legit zombie. I don't know. But you know, if it's, if it's just like a, she's a creepy person, she intimidates her opponents type thing. You know, they might go in that direction. Uh, who knows? We'll see. I really want to see Abaddon versus Big Swole. I think that will be hilarious. <laughs> Big Swole already said, she said out a tweet and she said something like, uh-uh, I don't put no zombie. I don't want to see no demons around here or something. It was great. I think a Big Swole and Abaddon match would be a great match. Yep, I'm down. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on. We've got Billy Gunn versus MJF after this match. Uh, I didn't like this match. I'll wrong, 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 Let wrong. me explain myself as to why I didn't okay. like this match. Go ahead. The match itself, as far as the work, I thought was okay, but I think this match did MJF a disservice. Okay, so obviously, Billy Gunn is a huge, huge man. And he's a freak of nature that at, what is he, nearly 60 years old, he looks better no, than I... he's like 50. I'll, I'll tell you right Hold now. on. Yeah, Google it. I'm pretty sure he's closer to 60 than he is to 50. He is 56, so yeah, you're right. Okay, either way. He's, he's better than I could ever try to look in my entire life. Yeah, he's, in, he's insane. A hulk of a human being. Um, he's super tall, super jacked, but he's also a 56-year-old man. So you've got MJF, one of the hottest heels in the company. Yes, he's not, like, huge. He's probably, what, 5'10", maybe? Maybe. 5'9". He's not a huge guy, but he's he's pretty jacked. Uh, and also, they're building him as this probably the number one heel in the company. Um, he's the only person in AEW, I think, that has never been pinned. So, they're building him pretty strong, right? And I, I get that he's a chicken crap heel, as some people would say. Uh, not in those exact words, but... At, at one point, MGF just straight up left, which was funny, yeah. But it seems like a Sean Spears thing to do, not an MJF thing to do. Uh, Billy Gunn went out and just, like, carried him back into the ring like a child. And I just feel like that made MJF look bad. Um, I really enjoyed the psychology of MJF working over Billy's leg. But I felt like at any time, if Billy wanted to end the match, he could have. Uh, and it, and it kind of made Billy look dumb in the fact that he didn't. But MJF works over his leg, and he basically handicaps him for like the last third of the match. He's hopping around on one leg, selling fantastically, as, as you would expect a veteran like him to do. But it bothers me that throughout all of this, he, he can't use the leg. The leg is in pain. Throughout all of this, MJF could not manage to get a win by submission over a 56-year-old man. He just put on that banger with Jungle Boy at uh, Double or Nothing. And and he's supposed to be one of the best guys uh, up and coming in the company. But this 56-year-old man, he couldn't get a submission on when one of his legs is taken out of the equation. That really bothers me. Uh, he, he managed to get the win by the diamond diamond dynamite whatever ring the big pinky ring which i still think is a stupid finish i thought it was a stupid finish when he faced cody i think it's a stupid finish now 
he had to he had to cheat to win, which is fine, but I would have liked to see him win by submission. I thought that MJF lo- I think he left this win looking weaker than he came in. And I just don't think that's a good place for MJF to be. I'm not saying the work in the match was bad. I'm not saying that the psychology of the match was bad. I just think the booking of the match was bad. It was very old school WCW, which is why the heel was given the weapon by his manager. He attacked the babyface with the weapon. I grew up with this kind of stuff, so I don't have an issue with it at all. But I'm okay if you do, because I understand what you're saying, even though I, I do disagree, because I think being a chicken crap heel, doing this kind of stuff is okay, because it makes sense for him to be like, this guy's way bigger than me. I'm just going to leave. And then the baby face brings in the heel, and like the heel is a baby. He literally is carrying him on his shoulder, tosses him in the ring. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't mind it. I grew up with that kind of stuff. It's fine. But I understand what you're saying, and I get it. Yeah, I just feel like MJF could have been booked better. Uh, also worth noting that Wardlow attacked the gun children uh, throughout the match, and that distracted Billy, uh, which was fine. I mean, you shouldn't bring your child to work if you don't want him attacked by Wardlow. That's just my opinion. Uh, after the match, MJF and Wardlow got into it with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and this led into a locker room draining brawl, like an all-out brawl. And uh, yeah, this set up next week. I've been saying I want it for months. Luchasaurus versus Wardlow. Not only Luchasaurus versus Wardlow, Luchasaurus versus Wardlow in a lumberjack match, and I am excited. That should be a very good match. I think JR is going to be all about this match. Big E is going to be all about this match. Two big <laughs> big men, men for meat. slapping meat. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be that's going to be a really good match. I hope. agreed. I agreed. Uh, after that, Jericho and Sammy are being interviewed. Uh, they're saying they're going to win the main event because they are blood brothers and blood is thicker than orange juice. I don't know if that's true, but whatever. It's a uh, yeah, of, it's true. Yeah, kind of funny line. Is it? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Depends, I guess it depends. You on can the drink orange juice. You ever seen Blood in a Vial? You can't drink that crap unless you're a vampire. Uh, Abaddon could. Well, maybe. She's freaking weird. <laughs> After that, uh, Tony Schiavone is seen interviewing Britt Baker. She's on her Rolls Royce as, as Tony announces that at Fighter Fest, we're going to get Penelope Ford versus Hikaru Shida for the championship since Britt is injured, obviously. And as you would imagine, this upsets Britt Baker. And as a matter of fact, she even put Tony on a bit of a friendship timeout. Yep. Uh, she demands that Reba rolls her away in her cart, but it's revealed that uh, wasn't Reba driving the cart. It was Big Swole, and she just menacingly said, "Where do you want to go?" And then drove off. Tony did not even try to stop her. I don't blame Britt for giving you a friendship timeout, Tony. That's a really bad look. You got to try to defend your friends in situations like this, Tony. What are you doing, man? Come on. I'm. I might be the only one here, but I'm not really a fan of the whole Tony and Britt being friends thing. I think you're the only one. I mean, I like their dynamic for sure, but I mean, I don't think I would have liked Mean Gene like constantly hanging out with Hulk Hogan, like basically being the Jimmy Hart. Like, I, th- I think there's a that's where it steps over the line for me is I like Tony to be the one to interview Brit all the time and they could have that dynamic, but him like being forced to be like friends with her and all this, I don't know. It's kind of 
it kind of ruins it for me a little bit. I would have loved to seen a Mean Gene Hulk Hogan gym montage. <laughs> that would have been the best. They might have had something like that at some point. So I, I think I disagree with you there. I will say uh, the visual of Britt Baker strapped on the back of her Rolls Royce while being driven away, driven away, was fantastic. Oh yeah, that's great. I, I loved the segment. I thought it was really good. I liked it too. So, I I think all that we can take from this is that Kyle is wrong. So I like the segment. I just uh, the whole Tony being her friend and like him. I don't, uh, I don't think it's so much Tony being her friend, but the fact that she thinks Tony is her friend. Okay. And kind of forces Tony into it, and he's kind of just like uh, too nice to say anything about it. It kind of goes with the flow. Yeah. Kind of goes with it. Well, he, he, wasn't he walking by her side at like one scene or something? Like they were like hanging uh, out. Yeah, during the rehab thing when she was doing the Rocky montage, yeah. he was like cheering her on. That 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 may be a little bit weird there, but I I usually that's take what I mean. That, is, yeah, that kind of thing. Forcing Tony into it. Yeah, and he's just kind of reluctantly like eh, I don't want to be rude, kind of thing. But right. yeah. Anyways, after that, we see heel Cody in the ring with Arn Anderson. And he cuts a promo where he basically asks, why was it when he was attacked last week by Jake Hager that neither the Nightmare family nor the Elite came out to help him? Is he even a part of the Elite anymore? Where was his family? Do they care? This was a super heel promo. And I don't know if you know this, it's because Cody's a heel. That's correct. Uh, He's a giant heel. Uh, Throughout the promo worth mentioning he's seen multiple times in very inconspicuous ways putting up four fingers uh we've been tracking the cody heel turn for quite a while now we've been speculating the four horsemen's return for quite a while now and uh, yeah i think AEW's caught on to the fact that we're speculating they're obviously listening to the show every week uh this is a this is legit a legit tease. I don't know if they're just doing it for the sake of us fans that are looking for it and or if they're actually leading into it. Uh, we'll find out. But yeah, I think all we can really uh, say right now is Cody's a heel. So just keep tracking that. Uh, Arn then said that he felt that Fighter Fest wasn't the best time to face Jake Hager, and I agree. I don't think any good any time is a good time to face Jake Hager. Uh, not because he'll beat you, but because he's boring and his matches aren't good. So, sorry, Jake Hager. That's Kyle.Pauly on Instagram if you want to uh, meet up with me. I live in uh, somewhere in Tennessee. So. <laughs> Let's F and go, Jake. <laughs> he'll cough on you. He'll cough right on your face. I would be dead. <laughs> uh, Arn said he did, however, manage to find a new opponent for this week to keep the streak of the TNT Championship Open Challenge going. That's a mouthful of words. Uh, and, and it is an opponent not in AEW because this is indeed an open challenge, open to anyone, anywhere, anytime, unless they're currently under contract by WWE, that is. And we then see a vignette debuting. Do, do you know Do you know the guy's a gimmick in, in his, his, his indie gimmick? I the, don't. The Stroke Daddy, Ricky Starks. Oh. That's right. Oh, no. His gimmick was the Stroke Daddy. And I say was because Tony Khan introduced him as Absolute Ricky Starks, which is yep. another one of his gimmicks. 
I think I would go with that one, Ricky. Yep. If Especially I'm, right now. Yeah. Not a not a great name. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's worth noting he's most known for his time in NWA. Uh, he actually even won the TV title there, which is funny because they're not on TV. Uh, <laughs> he's from Louisiana and was actually trained by Booker T. Uh, curious if he uh, knows our friend from Indie Focus that was also trained by Booker T. Uh, but yeah, this whole package had a very 80s feel to it, as well as his intro. And I thought AEW did a pretty good job of introducing him than they have in their previous attempts of introducing uh, new wrestlers. But yeah, I think he put on a really good match with Cody. Uh, at one point, he even hit him with a top rope superplex. It looked like it was going to split the ring right in half. Yep. And uh, he seems to have a very unique character, a unique way of carrying himself. Uh, seems quite different from everyone else in AEW. So I'm, I'm glad to see that he was actually signed uh, after this match. He oh, was he? I didn't see that. He was signed. Yeah, Tony Khan announced on, on Twitter he was signed. Nice. He's uh, he's a good worker. Yeah, he, he yeah, I think he'll be a good addition. Uh, he wasn't able to get the win on, on heel Cody. Uh, Cody got him with the crossroads. And after the match, they shook hands. But we know that's all just a ruse to keep up the appearances of being a face, even though we all know he's not. Yeah, he was, he was a very unique guy. I'm, I'm glad to see him join. He and Cody bonked heads in this, and... They both fell down, and Cody like turned over and patted him on the head to check on him. It was hilarious. I did not even catch that. Uh, yeah, it was very loud. Mm, that, that sounds like a bad night for the Rhodes family. There you go. Absolute Ricky Starks is all elite. You're right. Yeah. We got Abaddon. We got Ricky Starks. Wow. Two new additions. Uh, after this, we have the Young Bucks versus Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, at the beginning of the match, it's worth noting that Havoc had a wrench removed from his person by the ref, and I like the small addition. I think it's one of the only times that I thought the refs in AEW actually had eyesight, um, because <laughs> there was a lot of times in this match and in the main event that I was questioning whether they were deaf and blind, because, oh man, yeah, there's some stuff going on. Uh, Havoc immediately went after Matt Jackson's injured ribs, injured ribs, I'll get it out in a minute, uh, the butcher and the blade got involved. They jumped on the apron, distracting Matt Jackson, allowing Jimmy Havoc to hit him with a wet floor sign. Does that even hurt? I mean, I, I guess it would sting, but not much. I just punching someone would be more effective. I don't. It's like those little tinny trash can lids they hit people with. It looks like you're hitting you with a roll of aluminum foil. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Penelope Ford also got involved, of course, with a wet floor sign. Okay, <laughs> whatever. This that's three times in the match. There should have been disqualification. Welcome to AEW. Uh, this match was very high paced. Kip Sabian at one point was bleeding from his ear. I believe it was. Yep. Don't even know where that happened, but yeah, there was a lot going on. Uh, it boils down to the Bucks winning. They won using the Golden Trigger, actually. Um. They actually have named it, or Kenny himself has named it, the BTE Trigger, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this match was, uh, I don't know. How did you feel about this match? I didn't, I don't really have any feelings other than the fact that it should have been disqualified three times. <laughs> it was, it was fine. I, I don't know. Jimmy Havoc is good in hardcore match types. I'm not entirely sure I want to see him in standard tag team wrestling. And with all the interference and stuff, it was kind of a miss for me. 
Yeah, well, the match was fine. It it wasn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, and and I would be okay with the Butcher and the Blade and FTR coming out and all this crap, but I feel like AEW is kind of getting into a habit of overbooking their matches, and I don't want to constantly see that. Yeah, it was definitely overbooked. And after the match, the Butcher and the Blade attacked the Young Bucks. Have we ever seen this before? Is this something we've seen on our TV? Yeah. Guess what happened after that? FTR came in for the save. Yep. Man, this seems like deja vu. Is this a rerun? I don't know. <laughs> the only good thing to come out of this brawl, in my opinion, uh, FTR were on one turnbuckle, Young Bucks were on the other one, and they both hit a spike pile driver at the same time, which was really cool, a uh, really good spot, but I didn't really enjoy the match or anything else that happened after it. So I think we'll move on from that. After this, we had a Taz and Brian Cage promo. Again, didn't love it. It was weird. I think this is the first time we've heard Brian Cage speak, and I think I understand now why Taz normally speaks for him. Uh, in response to that promo, we had a promo from John Moxley, and even this promo fell a little flat for me. Uh, he basically said they both need to take him more seriously. I don't know. I've seen a lot better from John Moxley than this promo. Uh, is it just me? Because I think Riley also agreed to me that both of these promos were just kind of off. I liked him. Brian Cage is okay. Taz is great. Mox is great. Yeah, Mox, Mox is great. I just didn't feel like this one was was that great. Maybe I expect too much. Maybe uh, it was it was solid. Uh, it was was an amazing no, but it was solid. It was a WWE level promo, and I'm expecting better from my wrestling. All right, it's fun. Uh, after that, speaking of better from my wrestling, we cut to Reba looking for Britt Baker. And we see that Swole has taken Britt Baker to a dumpster and just tossed her in there and left. Wow. This is great. This whole segment is great. Uh, She's got like a banana on her head, like a banana peel. (laughs) She's all like dirtied up in her face. And as we know, AEW does not believe in the invisible camera. So Britt even brings up the fact, hey, why is there a camera crew here? And Reba says, oh, well, she wanted to document you being saved. And of course, Britt Baker freaked out because Reba's trying to steal the spotlight from her and trying to paint her in a poor light, in her opinion. Yeah, this was all just really good. I mean, Britt Baker has consistently been one of the best things on wrestling television. Agreed. So good. I'm really looking forward to Britt Baker and Swole whenever that is inevitably possible. Um, Moving on to the main event. Uh, It's part of the inner circle versus the best friends uh part of the best friends i should say because orange cassidy is also a best friends i'm not leaving him out like like aew tends to do uh we've also got matt hardy on commentary the best friends came out very aggressive early in this match uh very upset about what uh, jericho did to their other best friend orange cassidy uh trent even at one point attempted to choke out jericho with a stupid little bandana thing uh, Sammy managed to get back in control. He attempted Jericho's arrogant pin thing where he just puts one foot on him and, and flexes, and that got like half of a one count. Uh, at one point, Jericho hit Trent on the outside with his aluminum baseball bat. And again, I guess the ref was struck both deaf and blind because how do you miss somebody hitting somebody with an aluminum baseball bat? I mean, have you ever heard somebody get hit with an aluminum baseball bat? Uh, it would freaking hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I think... I think maybe the pyro 
it was affecting the ref's hearing and the lights maybe are a little too much. They're just, they're getting in the ref's eyes and they can't see. I mean, that's the only reasonable explanation for the referees not seeing literally anything that's going on. Yeah. Uh, it did seem like the inner circle had won this match, but as Sammy went to hit his, I think GTH, they call it, uh, he hit the rope and he was tripped up by the cameraman. And at first I'm like, what, what, what was, was that a botch? What's, what's happening here? Uh, Sammy Guevara turns around. He's confused. And the distraction allowed Trent to hit him with a strong zero, and the best friends retained their number one contendership. I'm really glad to see this. I was a little afraid that the inner circle would get the number one contendership. Really glad, especially now they didn't. Uh, I'm looking forward to the best friends versus Hangman and Kenny. Uh, Some people were even speculating that the best friends may win the belts. I mean, I love Hangman and Kenny. Somebody's going to take the belts off of them. I wouldn't totally be against best friends, man. I mean, they've been the workhorses here lately of the tag team division. Yeah. Uh, they're huge faces. Uh, I mean, they're selling a lot of merch. I mean, you might want to capitalize them on them right now if you're if you're trying to take the belts off of Hangman and, and Canyon because obviously they're going to work FTR in the mix here before too long. Uh, and that's going to work its way back around to the Bucks. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we will see. After the match, the cameraman comes up on the ramp, and I'm still like, oh, what, what's going on? Nope. Okay. All right. They're kind of, the commentators are even freaking out. Like, what is the cameraman doing? But before too long, you realize it's the one, the only, the most dangerous man in the building, Orange Cassidy. I will say, after he lowered the camera and he revealed himself, he actually did appear to try. I mean, he came out like a missile attacking Jericho. He was beating him down like he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, it was it was pretty serious beatdown. Uh, he even hit him with a Superman punch, which I personally think should be called the High C. I mean, if if they couldn't if they could trademark that, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I'm uh, in. Much better Superman punch than Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah, come at definitely. Me. But yeah, yeah, this is a this is a really good note to end on. I think still a little weird that one of the championships didn't main event. Uh, but I guess they wanted to end with the Orange Cassidy Jericho beatdown, which is probably one of the biggest draws of Fighter Fest. If I'm being honest, who doesn't want to see Orange Cassidy versus Jericho? But yeah, uh, overall, uh, the show had its ups and its downs, in my opinion. But I can say, I, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I really liked the debut of both signees, uh, Abaddon and Starks. The swerve with Abaddon was really good. I'm already a fan of Ricky Starks. Overall, I'd probably give the episode a B. Probably a B. You want to you wanna rate the episode, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd probably... Mm, I don't know. I would probably go with B+. I loved Cody and Ricky Starks. I absolutely loved it. And other than the, the Abaddon thing, I don't really hate... No, nothing really on the show where I just didn't like it. So it was it was good. The Britt Baker stuff was amazing. Her, you know, I think I complained, was it last week or the week before where I said AEW didn't have enough comic moments? The thing with Britt Baker, yeah. having uh, Pulley and passing notes up to Tony Schiavone was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was so good. Really good. She's fantastic. Yeah. So B+. Okay. That, that makes sense. You seem to enjoy it a little bit more than I did, so. Yeah. The math checks out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Kyle, did you watch the entire show this week? 
Uh, I didn't get to watch the entire show. I got to uh, watch certain clips of it that I heard about. Um, what I saw, I, I really liked it. Um, and I, I, I'm with Matt as well. Um, I, I liked, um, what was his name? Ricky uh, Starks. Starks, yeah. from uh, He's from NWA. Um, and I mean, they were, AEW was very impressed with him. That It actually gave him a, decided to give him a contract like before his, this was a tryout match for him. And so they had, they were so impressed to gave him a contract basically during the middle of the match. And uh, I, I did see this and I thought this was, I thought it was really well done between both of them. Um, I don't want to give it a grade the entire show. Cause I didn't get to see the whole thing, but I saw it and enjoyed every bit of it. It was anything that didn't really, you know, make me angry. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you want to add anything else, Micah, before we move on to SmackDown? No, I think we pretty much covered it all. Okay, cool, sweet. Well, let's take a let's take a quick pause, go pay some bills, and then we're gonna come back. And we're gonna talk about SmackDown and Monday Night Raw. Let's do it. And we are back. Thank you for hanging out with us through that short, brief pause. We're gonna move directly into SmackDown with Mister Kyle Dot Yes, we have once again hailing from the Performance Center Friday Night Smackdown. And uh, we kicked off the show this week with AJ Styles Intercontinental Championship celebration, presentation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Renee Young was in the ring. We had the Smackdown mid-card slash jobbers surrounding the ring. Uh, Renee Young noted that uh, Daniel Bryan, or uh, AJ Styles survived Daniel Bryan in an instant classic. Uh, Bryant came out, or... Styles came out and just, you know, bragged about his accomplishments, noted that uh, he's the face that runs the place, told the guys around ringside that this is close as they'll get to the title. Uh, he asked Young um, to start the presentation, but then stopped her, and he said, actually, there's only one person qual- qualified to do this. So he points at Dana Bryan, who is standing at ringside. Bryan, you know, reluctantly gets in the ring, basically tells Bryan to put the title around his waist. He did it in not like a total jerk fashion. I mean, he was a jerk, but he was, you know, it's like, come on, man. Like I won, you know, wasn't too bad, but Brian was like, yeah, you beat me. So, you know, I'll help you out. He put the title on his waist. Uh, he, he styles asked him, uh, to say congratulations, which he did, but he was like, come on, man, you got to say it so people can hear you. So Brian grabbed the mic, say congratulations. But then he, he wanted to say a few, you know, a few more words. He said, "Dude, you could be the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time." And Styles was like, "Oh yeah, I can be." And he's like, "All you have to do is defend the belt every week against guys like Shorty G." And as soon as he said that, I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> it's like, can you not just call him like at least Shorty Gable, like whatever? But anyway, he went on to list Shorty G, Grand Metalik, and then even said Biggie, which I think would be an awesome match. And Biggie was standing on the outside. He agreed with this, lifting up his kettlebell up and down. And I was like, where did he get a kettlebell? Do you, <laughs> so, know, you know what I would call Shorty G if I was a booker in for WWE? Chad Gable? That is correct. That is what I would call him. Olympic bronze medalist Chad Gable. Yes, that is what I would call him. Yeah, I would do the same. Um, but, hey, he won this week, and we'll get to that a little later on. But, uh, spoiler alert. So... Uh, like I said, Brian said he could be the greatest intercontinental champion, but he has to defend his belt, which is basically what Brian said he wanted to do. So he's basically trying to put his beliefs, trying to see, you know, persuade Styles into the right path of being a great champion. But Styles isn't having it. He said, "No, I'm not going to give away handouts. 
And uh, Brian actually says, okay, well, if you don't want to give out handouts, you want people to earn a title shot. What about Drew Gulak? He beat you two weeks ago. Uh, you know why he deserves a title shot. And Styles basically just shut this down. He refused and said, only, you know, only the best of the best can compete against me. And he's only going to, you know, defend it against the number one contender. So he's not going to give it to Gulak. Uh, when suddenly he gets interrupted by a debuting Matt Riddle. Uh, and obviously, as we pointed out before, he, you know, a little controversial going on uh, with the allegations and all that, but they kept his uh, clip in or, you know, kept this segment in. Obviously, I don't know how they would have taken it out, but they kept it in. So he comes out, he's high-fiving people. He is still Matt Riddle. Uh, and for the most part, he did pretty well. He he comes in, um, Style says he knows who he is, uh, but he just sees a guy in the ring with no shoes. Uh, and Matt Riddle says he's not asking for a handout, but uh, he heard that Styles is the face that runs the place. But Matt Riddle wanted him to know that he's going to be the bro that runs the show. And uh, Styles didn't like that comment, so he punched Matt Riddle. They had an exchange. Uh, Matt Riddle got the best of it, kicked him out of the ring. And uh, Styles is furious, so he demands a referee. So we're going to have a match here, not for the Intercontinental Championship, but we get Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles. And I will say, it was a good match, but it wasn't amazing. I feel like these two, I think it's a good starter match, especially if they're going to have a match later down the road. Uh, some people even think that maybe it might turn into a triple threat match or maybe even a fatal four-way with Daniel Bryan and Gulak playing a part. Um, but I'm not sure where they're going to go from here. But if they do have another match down the road, I think they'll probably do something a little better than this. It was still good. But when you hear Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles, you kind of expect a blow-away match. Uh, it was just a good SmackDown match. So Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I, exactly what I heard, actually. Yeah, so, uh, but hey, Matt Riddle came out the gate, like, strong, like, immediately just, like, like they started. He just rushed in, grabbed Styles, hit him with an awesome German suplex, like, hit him with some gut-wrench suplexes from the start, just throwing him around. And his uh, Styles with a kick, you know, and, you know, just had him corner, basically. So, I mean, he came out looking really strong. Uh, later on the match, he does go for the bro to sleep. And Styles is able to counter it and get him into the calf crusher. Uh, so, Styles did gain the advantage. And then at one point, similar to kind of how he did with Drew Gulak, got a little distracted. Uh, one could even argue he was maybe trying to get himself disqualified because he got outside the ring and went up to Daniel Bryan. Uh, Bryan kind of got in his face and he shoved him. And all the baby faces kind of held him back. And uh, Styles is almost goading him like, go ahead, ruin his debut. Talking about Riddle and uh, you know, trying to get Brian to actually hit him so he could get a DQ. But he doesn't. He holds back. He, he's the better man here. So Styles, he he goes for the uh, – finally gets on the apron, goes for the phenomenal forearm. But Matt Riddle catches him, hits him with a bro Derek, and picks up the win. So in his debut against AJ Styles, the Intercontinental Champion, Matt Riddle – Wins clean for the one, two, three. And like I said, this was a good match. Uh, wasn't amazing, but it was really good. So uh, I think it's a good debut for Matt Riddle. And all the baby faces got in and celebrated uh, like he was Lex Luger beating Yokozuna. Um, yeah, good match. What was also great about this was they're playing Matt Riddle's music and Otis was like in the ring, just like shucking and jiving to his music. And Matt was like, Dancing along with him, it was pretty funny. So I thought this was a good opening segment. Um, and yeah, Matt Riddle debuted. So we'll see uh, where, what they do with it from here. I just hope 
he, he felt a little scripted when he cut his promo at the beginning. So I'm hoping they just let him be Matt Riddle. I did see he did an interview after um, like the uh, SmackDown fallout or whatever it is that they do um, where they just talk to them individually backstage and it doesn't air on TV. And he cut a pretty good promo about just, uh, you know, being here and being excited and all this stuff. So uh, it probably should have been on TV, but whatever. They never show those and they're usually pretty good. Uh, so don't script him. Just let him be Matt Riddle and he'll probably be better than anything that they could ever script. So anyway, after this, we have a recap of Sheamus and Hardy's feud. And then we get an interview with Jeff Hardy, Renee Young sitting down with him in the back. Uh, this is really good. Um, if, if Jeff Hardy can, you know, when he's in the ring and on the mic, he could tend to be a little wooden. He's not the best promo, but I felt like this interview was probably the realest and, you know, take Jeff Hardy could give on himself. Uh, basically talked about how, uh, you know, the, the whole feud with Seamus has been tough because Seamus has made it so personal. Um, Renee, you noted that, you know, Hardy had a chance at redemption, but lost at backlash. And uh, Hardy says, yeah, I've lost before, but and most times I can just move on. But, uh, but then there's sometimes like this when doubts start to creep in and basically said like when these doubts creep in, you know, those other negative things come back and just talked about how he struggled in his life that he felt like, you know, a fire would start that he'd have to put out. And then as soon as he put that one out, another one would start up. And uh, yeah, they, they had a pretty good sit down interview. Uh, he admits that he's an adrenaline junkie and an alcoholic, but uh, basically called Seamus as a bully and that he's just another obstacle in his way. So, uh, but I thought it was a good sit down, sit down interview. Um, and we'll actually hear more from Seamus later on in the show. But in the back, Caleb Braxton approached Shorty G. Uh, he, he has a match with Mojo Raleigh later tonight. Uh, there's short jokes. Uh, I don't just, I'm done with it. It's stupid. But we had Shorty G versus Mojo Raleigh. Uh, really, Shorty G throughout the match just out wrestled him. Obviously, Mojo is a big, strong dude. So he was able to hold his own and, um, you know, take it was really a short match though uh it wasn't too lengthy and it basically ended when uh was that a short joke kyle no and i don't know if it was a, but i would not be surprised if it was a <laughs> wwe like they said something about that but short, well, guys, a, a, a short a, match it was a shorty match wow it's funny though because now that you say that Corey graves did make a comment like after it was over and said like you know it was he made short work of Mojo or something like that. yeah so it could be but it was fine uh, and Shorty Jesus basically rolled up uh, Mojo when he I think he went for like his finishing move maybe he caught him out of a crossbody and uh, Shorty Jesus cradled him up got the win so he won the match hey that's better than you know having him killed by Sheamus so it was fine by me then we had a Miz TV segment. With a uh, special guest, Mandy Rose, uh, Ms. Morrison come out. Uh, they said they need to address the elephant in the room. And Morrison goes, oh, are you talking about Otis? Uh, ha, 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 I, I kind of snickered a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, I am tired of like short and fat jokes on the show. Short people yeah. are short, fat people are fat. Ha, that's so funny. So, Good writers. I do love Morrison though, so I kind of... I laughed a little bit, yeah. but uh, Miz says that they're ready to be co-universal champion at Backlash, but uh, the rules got changed at the last second and basically blamed that. 
And uh, they said they had to worry about Otis cashing in money in the bank. And uh, but they wanted to turn their attention to Mandy, who is his girlfriend, obviously. So uh, they ask Mandy about uh, Sonia Deville and uh, mocked her, praised Sonia, basically. Uh, Mandy was basically like, oh, well, I don't want to take this. I'm going to leave. But then they apologized and asked her to stay because they had a surprise. And then they bring out Sonia. So basically they played it off like Ms. Morrison are jerks and they ambushed Mandy with this uh, interview, which is true. Uh, Sonia gets in the ring. She's wearing like a, a black uh, suit. She mocks Mandy. Uh, notice, like notes her greatest accomplishment is making out with Otis uh, by the pool. Says that she's, you know, she's won twice against her, but somehow she's still getting the spotlight. And they made it seem like Sonia is still being bothered by Mandy and she can't move on. But just last week, or I think it was last week, Sonia was having a match with Lacey when Rose came up on the screen. And I pointed this out when we reviewed this. I was like, I thought Mandy had just moved on and she was like, okay. And like now Otis was her attention. And I really was bothered by her. Like just, you know, she was basically doing the same stuff that Sonia was doing at one point. And I was like... So that just like sticks out like a sore thumb in the story. I was like, this would be a lot better if Mandy and Otis were just doing their thing and she didn't care about Sonya, but she took the time to interrupt one of her matches, you know, and caused her to lose. So yeah, did, they probably didn't think that through as much, but whatever. Uh, Rose did note that uh, DeVille could hurt her physically, but not emotionally said that Otis has been there from her, uh, been there for her since day one, since they met each other. And uh, DeVille says she's not mad anymore, but she wants to know how she can get the Mandy treatment, how she could get, you know, pushed to the top. And uh, she promised to make Mandy look as hideous on the outside as she is on the inside. She like pokes her in the chest. So they start brawling. Uh, They eventually run into Miz and Morrison. Rose started to get the advantage, but Sonya ducked behind them, ducked out of the ring. Miz kind of put his hands up and laughed. I did like that when they were brawling, Miz and Morrison, most of the time they'll get out of character and they'll go try to break them up. But they just like stood back and laughed and were like, yeah, get her the whole time. So at least they stayed true to character. Uh, so when Miz got in, Rose's face was kind of laughing. She just like slapped him in the face. Uh, so that was great. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good segment. Sonya always, you know, does good on the mic. Uh, I just wish they would clarify like who's the one actually – obsessed here because like i said mandy was away from this she came back and interrupted one of sonia's matches sonia she just got thrown back she was feuding with lacy and now she's back with mandy so i I don't know but as a segment in a vacuum this was good then we had the new day versus lucha house party in a non-title match uh and this was pretty good title match or a pretty good match non-title match uh obviously it's you know lucha house party so they're great workers. They do, you know, a lot of good moves here and new day is great as well. So, uh, did great together. They show that, uh, Nakamura and Cesaro are watching in the back. Also, we had Sasha and Bailey joining Michael Cole and Corey Graves on commentary. And they were actually, they, they were loud and sometimes a little bit annoying, but they actually called the match way better than Corey and Michael were calling it because they actually had to stop them at times because they would go into, you know, different stories and, the uh, the two girls would be like, "Hey guys, we're watching a match. Like, pay attention to what's going on." <laughs> Even that's uh, actually that's really great. Yeah, so they they were better commentators than the normal commentators uh, on a wrestling show. So 
Yeah. Uh, also, I do want to point out that at one point, Biggie hit a belly to belly suplex and Bailey flipped out and said, like, he learned that from me. And I, I laughed pretty hard at that. Uh, <laughs> so they they had a pretty good match. Uh, Lucha House Party took over at one point and hit Kofi with a double super kick. Biggie pushed Medley off the top rope. Kingston was able to hit like a awesome double foot stop where he like jumps in the, like he's on the mat, jumps in the air, like puts his feet on Dorado's shoulders basically, and then comes down with a stomp. And uh, it's just awesome looking. Uh, so he, he did that to Dorado. They set him up, hit the midnight hour and picked up the win. Uh, but immediately after the win, Nakamura and Cesaro came out of the crowd, jumped new day. Uh, they debuted a new tag team finisher, which it wasn't as clean here, but it could look really awesome when they get the timing down. Cesaro started swinging Kofi in his normal swing and Nakamura waited in the corner like a dog on a chain. And as soon as Cesaro got up to speed with the swing, he took off and hit Kofi with a Kinshasa out of the swing. So it, it wasn't as well-timed as it could be, but hey, if they get the timing down, this move could look really awesome. That sounds really awesome. I didn't see that at all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I, and I'm looking forward to it, uh, this match. So, Nakamura Cesaro, after they beat uh, beat New Day down, they go to the outside and basically talk about how Cole and Graves didn't mention them at all during this and they beat them clean a week ago. So, they're like, they're tired of being overlooked. And uh, Sasha and Bailey were sitting there agreeing with them and laughing and cheering them on the whole time, which is great. Uh, also, Bailey and Sasha mentioned, uh, like Nikki Cross and Alexa at some point during the thing. And that's going to come back later. So in the back after this match, we had this really weird, like it's, it's when you look at the Hardy segment at the beginning of the show or towards the beginning, and even the uh, intercontinental championship celebration, they're pretty well done. You could believe these are segments that happened and they just like, no, like hiccups. This next scene was like the most contrived, like, forced odd looking scene like we go to the back it's Dana Brooke Tamina Alexa Bliss Naomi and Lacey Evans all the baby face women they're at like one of the performance center like training rings so it's just like a wrestling ring in the dark they're all like lined up at the apron facing the camera so they're not even looking at each other they're just like facing the camera standing next to each other uh like hanging out or something I don't know like Alexa's sitting on the apron they're standing there. Like they're not smiling. They're not talking. Alexa just goes, you know what? I'm tired of Bailey and Sasha. And they just start talking. And Naomi's like, she, Alexa says something like, uh, you know, me and Nikki, blah, blah, blah. And Naomi's like, well, wait a minute. Y'all had your chance and y'all did y'all wasted it or something like that. And then Lacey was like, well, last time I was in there with Sasha, she was left with a handprint or fist print on her face or something like that. And she was laughing. Tamina said something. And then Dana Brooke stepped in and like, I was like, okay, if you're looking at this and you're trying to make me believe this is actually happening as a scene, like, are they friends? Are they hanging out? Like none of these appear to be anything that's going on or what would actually happen in real life. Like it's so weird and it's clearly like scripted and just goofy. Like, so it's weird seeing this good Jeff Hardy sit down segment early on in the show that was executed really well, was very believable. And then this happened. So, Oh, and then uh, all of a sudden Alex was like, Hey, where's Nikki at? I don't know where she is. Like she's she hasn't been there the entire time. And Alexa's like, Did you guys see where Nikki went? 
that's really well, this whole thing sounds really weird yeah it, it's it, to the point where they didn't put it on their youtube channel uh afterwards because i went to watch it back later and yeah it was it was not on there so it was not important enough for them to put it on there but we also uh, after this had a Seamus interview with Kayla, which we basically answered Jeff Hardy. He uh, saw where Jeff accused him of being a bully, which he laughs at. And he goes, "You know what? I am a bully." And uh, his only regret is that he didn't smash in Jeff Hardy's voice box. And uh, basically said, uh, "Next week, I want everybody to grab some champagne because I'm going to give a toast to Jeff Hardy." Uh, I don't know what that means, and but next week apparently Seamus is going to give a toast. Uh, sure. So then we go out and Bailey and Sasha are still on commentary. Uh, they're talking about partying or something. And then all of a sudden Nikki comes out of the crowd and attacks the heel. So that's where she went, I guess. I guess she didn't want to hang out with all the people not being friends. Okay. So she attacks Sasha. Bailey just freaks out. Alexa runs down the ramp to uh, like pull her away. It's like, you know, whatever. Uh, Sasha and Bailey get mad or like get your crazy friend. And, uh, Nikki's like, Sasha, let's go right now. Like, and uh, Bailey accepts the challenge for Sasha. So we have Sasha versus Nikki. And that's your main event match, basically. Uh, and yeah, it was fine. You know, whatever. But I don't really understand why it happened because basically Sasha just hit the Meteora at one point, got her in a roll up and won. So it was, it was fine, but yeah, it's just another loss for Alexa and Nikki. And uh, as we'll talk about on Raw, there was another match with uh, these tag teams. I think that actually was a title match, so wasn't it, Matt, that happened on Raw? Which one? Wasn't the tag it? Yeah, was it a tag match with the Iconics and Sasha and Bailey? Yeah, that was a tag title match, yes. So at least that was for the titles. It made a little bit of sense, but this was just a match. So whatever. Uh, I don't know what point this took, but it was fine for what it was. Uh, so then we had a awesome video package uh, showing off Tyson O'Neill and all the great stuff he's done. So it's good to see like in a, you know, a 2020 that's had about a bad, a lot of bad stuff, especially in the wrestling business. Uh, this is a, you know, a good thing to show that Titus Neal's he's a finalist for the 2020 Muhammad Ali humanitarian award. So I thought it was a good video package. And then we had our made of it segment. Uh, that closed the show, which was the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, it's Bray Wyatt in his sweater and everything, welcome, welcoming everybody back to the Funhouse. Uh, basically said, I'm going to get everybody up just on speed to what he's been doing. He joined a book club, learned new TikTok moves, and he did a little dance, and there was music behind it, like TikToks. Uh, he said he resurrected the dead. They showed like a little graphic of zombies for some reason. Uh, he said he learned how to knit, and he even took out, took out took down a reptilian stronghold and uh, then he got real serious about it or something. But then Rambling Rabbit shows up and clarifies. He says, what are you talking about? You've just been sitting in the corner crying this whole time. And uh, Bray was like, you know, looked like he wanted to kill him. And he said, oh, I was upset about losing to Strowman. Uh, and then suddenly, speak of the devil, the Strowman Express came out. Uh, his music and train sirens or whatever hit um the smoke and all that crap. He comes out of the ring and uh, said that Wyatt had his opportunity, but he failed that this game between them is over. And Wyatt said, yeah, well, our chapter is over. Uh, but he wasn't lying about resurrecting the dead. Uh, and then he turned into the Bray Wyatt 
uh, from the Wyatt family character. So the Louisiana, like in the hat with the tropical shirt, and they showed like flashbacks of uh, like Rowan and um, uh, Brody Lee kind of in the background, Luke Harper or whatever you want to call him. And uh, they showed like that again. And it was basically, he cut a promo as the Wyatt family Bray, where he says he knows that Strowman knows where to find him. All he has to do is follow the buzzards, held up his lantern and blew out the light. So, and Braun looked very scared. So Matt, I know you loved the Bray Wyatt and uh, Braun Strowman feud. Yeah, that's and, uh, why I stopped watching. It's literally why I stopped watching WWE. Well, the good news is it's going to continue. <laughs> it looks like he's going to he's going to kill the Bray Wyatt character and probably face the Fiend in the end. I would guess that's very likely going to happen. So yes, I mean, wh- why is this a three month feud? Braun Strowman is not a main eventer. I'm sorry, he's not. And I just uh, whatever. As long as Bray Wyatt comes out the winner at the end of the feud, just fine, fine. I guess. Yeah, I have a and, feeling that he's going to beat Lantern Bray Wyatt, probably at Extreme Rules, and then it'll be The Fiend versus Braun at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm guessing. Because, um, yeah, it, uh, but it's it's hard to tell because we don't know when Roman's coming back, and I think they were probably eyeballing Strowman versus Roman for the belt. Roman uh, is not coming back anytime soon after what happened last week. Yeah, so... I, who knows what, what they're going to do with it. But I would guess that they're going to do this Bray Wyatt where Strowman finally beats him and has like a harder time maybe. And then, yeah, Fiend maybe gets the belt back or something. Yeah. But we'll see. But that was SmackDown this week. Uh, it was fine. It wasn't like spectacular. I uh, love the ending. I loved Hillbilly Bray Wyatt. I love the Wyatt family. I actually think that gimmick is a better gimmick than the Fiend. Uh, it's got more longevity, and I'm actually I'm totally cool with him doing the Mick Foley thing and letting him do whatever gimmick works. Yeah, I mean it. It was nice. The only bad thing about the uh, this Wyatt family character that he did was that they just had him cut the same promo every week, and I mean that could kind of get old. Uh, so it was nice seeing him after a nice long break away from it. So I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, it means. You know, we're going to continue this feud and Braun's going to continue to be scared, even though he took the mask and stepped on it and all that and seemingly overcame his fears because they didn't really say there was a difference between Bray Wyatt the from the Funhouse and Bray Wyatt from the Wyatt family. But whatever, I guess we're going to make one up. Uh, I mean, the, the Sasha Nikki thing was a little strange. New Day and Lucha House Party is a good match. Um, it obviously setting up for the uh, Nakamura Cesaro uh, feud. Uh, I would really say the beginning of the show was better for me than the end of it. I agree with Matt. The last time it wasn't horrible, but it, you know, it was, it was fine. I, I didn't probably didn't like it as much as you did, uh, but it wasn't a bad show. So I would probably give it a B minus because there wasn't on this, anything on the show other than the women's segment, which was just weird. Uh, everything else on the show was pretty good. So, uh, I'd probably give it a, a low B, B minus. It's perfectly, perfectly reasonable. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. By the way, Micah, just to kind of correct something you said earlier, uh, Colt Cabana and Brody Lee will be wrestling against Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss this Wednesday. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that definitely win. Not, yeah, 100%. All right, you think they're going to interrupt the big push that Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss are getting? You know what? I think they might. Okay. We'll see. I like them as a tag team, though. They, I saw their match on Dark. I thought it was pretty good. 
Yeah, I actually do like them as a tag team, but I don't think they're getting pushed anytime soon. Probably not. No. No. All right, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. And let's see if we can do this in 10 minutes or less. No, I'm just kidding. Not going to happen. Uh, Raw is a three-hour show, so I'm going to try to keep this under 25 minutes. Let's see if we can do it. So the show opens with Drew McIntyre, who comes out and says... Actually, the show opens with a really cool video package. And I really liked it. I don't know if you guys did or not. I really enjoyed it. Uh, they talked about... Uh, it was basically like a really old-school feeling video package where they talked about the championship matches that were happening tonight and i don't really know how to explain it other than the fact that they were there wasn't a lot to it i just liked it is that fair did i say that yeah i'm gonna say that sure but the show with drew mcintyre and he came out there and he starts talking about the championship night and uh he gets interrupted by Dolph ziggler Dolph comes out and says you know drew i no one is happier for you than me I am so glad that you are the WWE champion because I want you to give me what you owe me. You would not be here if it wasn't for me. You were at the lowest point of your life when I brought you back, and I want you to give me what's owed to me. Drew says he doesn't owe anything to Dolph, but if he wants a title shot, he's got it, and he is going to basically murder him at uh, Extreme Extreme Rules. So how was... Is it because he was injured? Like, how is Dolph Ziggler... He said he brought him back at the lowest point. I was like, he was NXT champion at one point, like when he was making yeah. his comeback before he got called up. So I was like, what is he Dolph was talking about? Really big name in the independence. So yeah. it was just it was just a promo because in WWE land, nothing exists outside of WWE. I at least appreciated the fact that they acknowledged that these two have history. Right. So that was fine. So I'm nitpicking, but at least they did that. Uh, Dolph Ziggler announced that he is now on Monday Night Raw with the trade with AJ Styles going to SmackDown. So Dolph Ziggler comes with his tag team partner, Bobby Roode, who we haven't seen in a long time. Drew McIntyre made fun of him and said that he was basically a two-for-one special, uh, which is kind of true. I think that SmackDown got the better the better of this trade, but what are you going to do? And uh, yeah, so Dolph Ziggler walked away, and that's pretty much it. Like There wasn't a whole lot that happen uh tom said that we're gonna wait to see if the tom phillips said we'll wait to see if the match is made official because drew mcintyre said it's official and i'm like well he can't really do that drew but that's fine <laughs> he's well, a chance, mean, kayla can so why can't <laughs> Drew? <laughs> exactly uh so nia's music hits and she comes out and she sits in the ring we go to commercial she's not like most girls no she's not like most girls she's sitting in a chair in the ring in the middle and our truth comes out, and he's like, "Hey, uh, Naya, think, uh, think you're not supposed to be here. I actually have a twenty four seven match with Akira Tozawa, but wait, Akira Tozawa is a ninja. They are masters of shrouding themselves in secrecy. Are you actually Akira Tozawa? Akira Tozawa then happens to crawl out from under the ring, if I remember properly." He does. He's, he doesn't come down the rampway. He comes out from somewhere. Our truth says, oh, "There's two Akira Tozawas," and I laughed. I laughed hard. Was it a good joke? Maybe not. But our truth is just so funny, and he his delivery is just so good. So Akira Tozawa and all of his ninjas, like freaking all of them except for the giant one, chase him off. 
He's gone. So Nia Jax says she's going to sit here all night until uh, what happened to her is is corrected. She was cheated out of the match at Backlash. She was cheated last week at WWE Raw by a crooked referee, which technically should have just disqualified her. But, you know, Micah talked about that. And she said she's not moving until she gets justice. And then Charlotte Flair comes out. They trade barbs and they attack each other. And Nia Jax doesn't really get the better of Charlotte, but she does kind of injure her arm. And that will play on later in the show. So we go backstage, and the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits are there. And Angela, this was such a waste of a segment. But all that really mattered is Angela Dawkins says, look, we can be friends, but when that bell rings, we're enemies. And then Eric and Ivar made some fam jokes. and move on. As they're walking away, Charlie's like, oh, look, here's some more people. Let me go talk to them. To which later in the evening, I asked my beautiful wife, is it Charlie's whole job just to walk backstage and bother people? Like, is that what she's supposed to do? <laughs> it might be. Right? Yeah. So she goes up, and then there's Angel Garza, Zelina Vega, and Andrade. She says hello to Angel Garza in a very flirty way. She also says hello to Andrade and basically ignores Zelina Vega. So Angel Garza makes some questionable decisions considering everything that's going on this week and the things that he said. Now, let's be clear. What he did was fine. It was in the script, and he didn't say anything dirty. But I probably, considering what happened this week, probably wouldn't have anyone make any sexual innuendos if I was the booker. Well, she is... uh, uh, willingly participating, so it That's might true. be fine. I, I I don't think it's wrong, but yeah, considering the climate this week, a little cringy. I might have just not had him say anything, right? So uh, anyway, he says something, and then Zelina Vega pushes him back and says it's not the time, uh, and then she basically yells at Charlie, and they walk away. Uh, and honestly, I don't have anything against Charlie personally. I hate her character. Because she's just a she's a troublemaker, she really is. And I just I don't like I don't like Charlie Caruso as a character. I'm sure as a person and as an actual sportscaster, she's fine. But as a character, she's miserable and I hate her. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like All her. Right. <laughs> the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits are next. This match was really fun. Uh, the long story short is uh, Montez Ford hits the big frog splash on Ivar for the win. And then the Viking Raiders get up, and they all hug it out. My beautiful wife says, I love this, because this isn't what you see. Every single feud seems to be, I hate you. No, I hate you. And I said, yeah, this actually is really nice. They used to do this back in the day. Uh, Not super frequently, but it did happen. And you'd never see it in WWE anymore. Uh, I also liked that they remained friends. Eric and Ivar leave so the Street Profits can have their moment. And then Angel Garza and Andrade attack them. Luckily, the Viking Raiders see this. They turn around. They get in the ring to help out their buddies. And Angel Garza and Andrade book it out of town. This has almost been nice to see uh, on the pay-per-view in a, probably a little bit longer match uh, instead of the, the uh, crazy ninja fight thing that they had instead. It was, yeah, that was something. It was something. Yeah, I think I would rather see this instead of that. Now, I'm just going to be completely honest with you guys. 
I don't know what happened next. Because Seth Rollins is there, like, staring off into space. Like he, like crazy Seth Rollins was doing. And I swear this guy, his gimmick changes every week. It really does. Sometimes throughout the night it changes. And so he's off, he's staring into space. And Austin Theory and Buddy Murphy are there. Not your Buddy Murphy. And Rollins is like, I have a message for Rey Mysterio tonight. And soon, all will be revealed. And he's staring off into space. We get a recap of what happened with Dominic last week on Raw. And uh, then we go back to Seth Rollins, who cuts another promo. And he's just staring off into space. And I know that I consistently complain about Seth Rollins, but this was really dumb. And he does not have a consistent character. I feel like they don't really know where they're going with him, which is a little frustrating because during his heel turn, that's what was needed because the fans turned on him, rightfully so, because he was being booked like a dorky baby face. So I, I just don't get it. If he wants to do this, it's fine, but you got to stick to something. Pick a gimmick. Stick to it. My question is, uh, Bray, his whole gimmick is everybody he has defeated has gone back to their roots after defeating them. So my question yeah. is, is this what Seth Rollins was doing before he got to WWE? Was he a prophet or a cult Maybe. leader? Tyler, Tyler, Reverend Tyler Black. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. We don't know. 100%. So uh, we get a recap of what happened with Nia and Charlotte, and then you see Charlotte coming out of the trainer's room, and Charlie, my least favorite interviewer, comes yeah. up and says, Charlotte, have you thought about postponing the title match? And Charlotte says, look, it's not ballet. Marm will be fine. And she walks off because she is a freaking wrestler. She's tough and she's a performer. So relax. We've been watching wrestling for, what, 20 to 30 years. This stuff happens all the time. Relax, Charlie. Relax. I think you're right about uh, your theory about Charlie just running up to people and finding them and asking questions because she clearly never thinks about what she's going to ask them before she actually asks the question. <laughs> right. I think right. she just sees it available and then, like, improvs it on the spot. Yeah, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure the doctors were like, hey, Charlotte, uh, we probably don't recommend you wrestling with your arm hurt like this. Yeah, and, and then that discussion was had. Yeah, made no sense. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> no, neither does nobody else. So you're not alone in that. Yeah, dumb. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Oscar was next. This match was good and bad. And let me tell you the good things first. First of all, Oscar and Charlotte Flair. I think one day we're going to be having a discussion about Charlotte Flair. We're going to talk about her biggest rivals. And I think number one on that list will very likely be Asuka. And of course, you're going to have people like Becky Lynch up there. But I think Asuka is probably going to be number one unless something drastically changes in her career. Because they have had this on-again, off-again rivalry for the past, what, two years now? Their matches are always absolutely incredible. This one was very short. Uh, especially considered compared to their 30 minutes or so, one from a few weeks ago. Uh, and Asuka made Charlotte tap out. She had the Asuka lock on her, but it was more of a chicken wing type move instead of a standard Asuka lock, and then Charlotte Flair tapped out. You could tell, uh, as my beautiful wife pointed out, that Charlotte looked to be in pain 
after this. Uh, I do believe that this the injury that Charlotte is going to be out for, which, by the way, there are conflicting reports when she's going to return. Some say SummerSlam, some others say Royal Rumble. Uh, apparently, the surgery that she's going to have is elective surgery, uh, and she will be out for an undisclosed amount of time. She has never taken a break since joining the company, and she wants an extended break, which I think is fair. So, well, but she, I she did think take a break at one point uh, to fix um, a couple problems she was having. Yeah, some some upper body problems. Well, <laughs> she hasn't had an actual. Okay, so we'll right, that right. Out. yeah. Uh, either way, though, this match was great. I do think that she is in a little bit of pain, but I think that she'll be just fine. Hopefully, any issues that she's having, she will quickly recover from. Right. Uh, but let me tell you the bad part of this match. Asuka has not been able to defeat Charlotte Flair since she came onto the scene, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Now she has a victory over Charlotte Flair, but there's a giant asterisk next to it because Nia Jax attacked Charlotte. I hated this. I want Asuka to defeat Charlotte Flair when it's time for her to beat her in a fair way, just like Becky beat Asuka. Same thing. I didn't like, oh, they, the announcers were like, now Asuka has the monkey off her back. She defeated Charlotte Flair, and I'm like, yeah, but not in the right way. It wasn't done the right way, and I didn't like it. Well, so. I th- they even talked about her arm as she was like in the Oscar lock, so it's like clearly that played a part. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So no, I agree. It's uh, part of it's probably protecting Charlotte, and also because she, you know, is going for surgery. So they they said, I think they came out and announced that it was a shoulder. Uh, unofficially, it, you know, it's a storyline shoulder, um, but they haven't disclosed what the actual surgery is about. I mean, it could right. be anything, but um, storyline wise, she had a shoulder injury. So clearly, Oscar won because Charlotte had a screwed up shoulder. Uh, so yeah, she's going to have it, it's tainted win if she's looking to, you know, beat Charlotte clean. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think she. I think it's fine, if, especially if Charlotte's going away for a while. It'd be weird for her to just lose clean and then just like go away for you know this long and not want to come back. Right. But, uh, so if they plan on having her come back and you know having the big blow off match where Oscar finally does beat her clean, I, I think it's fine. Okay. So after the match, Charlie walks up to Nia Jax because Charlie is just a rabble rouser, and she says, uh, "Hey, what you uh, what you think about?" That outcome where Oscar beat Charlotte and Nia Jax pauses for a few seconds too long. I'm like, did, did my TV freeze? And she says, it'd be a real shame for someone to kick the queen while she's down and walks off. Fine. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, we go to, we get a recap of what Randy Orton did to Edge and Christian. We get an absolutely incredible Edge promo. It is so, so good. But... And this is nitpicky, okay? Nitpicky. They had a fight at WrestleMania. And they had a wrestling match. And now, Edge is like, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to emasculate you. I am going to uh, affect your family's life. And I'm like, you guys already had this big fight. Like, what kind of match are you going to have in eight months when you come back? I don't know. Uh, Either way, it doesn't matter. 9.9 out of 10 promo. Really good. He had one of the best lines I've ever heard in wrestling. He said, I'm going to make you wish that Cowboy Bob was shooting blanks. Yes. That was such a good line. It was absolutely. Oh, my gosh. When I heard that, I was like, wow, he wins. All right, go ahead and give him the belt. 
Uh, best wrestler of all time. We're going to take it off of Randy Orton. We need to get Ric Flair in here and, and change over the title. Uh, that was that was a really good line. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, and we go backstage, and guess who's there? Charlie. That's great. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Randy, Randy, what, what, what do you think? And he, like, cuts her off because he obviously also hates her because Randy Orton is an intelligent human being and says... Charlie, let me just let me stop you there. You know what a snake does when it feels threatened? You get it back into a corner. It's gonna strike wildly, sometimes blindly. Then he cuts a little bit longer of a promo. And then you come back from the break, and Charlie is there. And she goes to Charlotte, who's obviously in pain. And she's like, Hey, how do you feel about that loss? And Charlotte just kind of stares at her like she's an idiot. Because Charlie is an idiot. Not a person, not as a person. As a character, the character's dumb. Don't like the character. Made that clear? Cool. Charlie sucks. And so Charlotte is yelling, at, or Charlotte is trying to give Asuka a little bit of credit when Nia Jax attacks Charlotte, and she screams, and it's just, I don't know. Everything about Nia Jax bothers me. She's like, ah! <laughs> That was that was my example of Nia Jax. That's what she started like. You're not far off. <laughs> It's like, woo! And I'm like, all right, trying to make fun of Charlotte's woo. It's just, it was bad. It was not, it was not good. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any great qualities about Naya. I'm being completely honest. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I've especially since she's been like half like killing people lately. Like, I, I don't want to see her work against anybody. And yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of tired of her. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like, everything else, like, she, her voice doesn't even lend itself to. It's kind of like Brock's voice, like doesn't really match the the monster, you know. It's just, but but even Brock is like, I don't know. Nia sounds like she's doing a Kardashian impression when she talks, and then right like, when she's like screaming in pain, it's like, yeah, or you know, or screaming in fury or whatever. Like it's not very intimidating. Uh, she's she's no awesome Kong for sure. Like so, I totally Correct. agree with you. One hundred percent. Uh, 24-7 title match next, because we're having matches for that now. And sure. And Akira Tozawa wrestles R-Truth. Before the match starts, Bobby Lashley and MVP come out. They destroy all the ninjas. Uh, Akira Tozawa hides under the ring. Bobby Lashley decides to destroy R-Truth with his master lock, which is what I'm going to call it. Uh, and then R-Truth is out, and his eyes are wide open. He's almost dead. Uh, they walk away. Akira Tozawa comes out from another ring, pins him. New 24-7 champion. There you go. I, I'm going to be very mad. I'm assuming they're going to feud with Akira Tozawa, R-Truth, and all these ninjas through this 24-7 thing, which I think could be pretty entertaining. Uh, I mean, it'd be probably the best thing they've done with it in a while, uh, just having Tozawa run around with all these uh, these ninjas, even though it is, like I said, a little bit racist. But I'll be pretty upset if at some point R-Truth doesn't say, Ninja, please. <laughs> we'll, see if that, we'll see if that works. We will 100% get our truth in a ninja costume before this is over. Yeah, that would be incredible. So we go, we're backstage now, and not Charlie is there. That's right. Sarah is there, and she's outside the trainer's room. And then Natalia just shows up, and she's like, man, with Becky out on baby duty and Charlotte being injured, I guess someone has to be the leader of the SmackDown or of the Raw Women's Division. And I'm like, okay, I guess she's a heel now. 
And you can tell she's a heel, as my beautiful wife pointed out, because in the next match where she wrestled Liv Morgan, she told the fans to shut up not once, but twice. And it just, it was just a, it's just a random turn. You guys know I hate random turns. The Lacey Evans thing was just horrible. And it was really, really stupid. What was even more stupid is she came out with Lana. I thought we were done with Lana. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She, I mean, I will say, uh, the last time we did see Natalia, she was rearranging uh, the Kevin Owens show furniture by throwing it outside the ring and throwing a fit. So maybe that was her turn. But yeah, just doing a complete change of direction and you know yelling at the fans all this i agree it's it's like it's it's just like the big show like just when you need her to be a face or a heel she just flips a switch and she just turns yep. into that so yep no totally agree yeah, really weird and uh this is obviously happening because oscar needs an opponent so oh, yeah there you go yep 100 uh natalia defeats Liv morgan uh with a sharpshooter Liv tabs taps taps out basically immediately uh, Natalia will not let go of the submission because she is now a heel, and that is how WWE works. That's not necessarily how wrestling works, but that is how WWE works because they only have black and white. They refuse to do any sort of shades of gray. Uh, we go backstage, and guess who's backstage? Uh, hmm. Oscar. Nope, it's Charlie! <laughs> and Charlie's back there with Big Show, and he's like... Yeah, I had a had an opportunity to punch a ninja last week. How many opportunities am I going to have for that? So I had to do it. Ha, ha, ha. You should watch the Big Show show on Netflix. Please don't. It is not good. But what's really funny is he said, yeah, the world's largest athlete. He's like joking around. He's like, he's going to stay in the back because this big angry giants go into the ring. Like, okay. So we come back to the we come back from commercial and Ric Flair comes out. He calls out Randy Orton. Randy Orton says he feels like the legend killer again. It's really great. Ric Flair says, you know what? You're the greatest wrestler in all of WWE. You know what? You're actually the greatest WWE wrestler of all time. Which is not true, but he is, as when, when Randy Orton cares, he is really good. So we basically, Big Show comes out, interrupts Randy Orton. He says Edge and Christian are his friends. And Orton's like, whoa, man, like, We've been friends for a long time. But you know what you are? You're a legend. Now, I want to point out, this lasted a while, and I am very much shortening the actual promo. That's basically what happened. Uh, they threaten each other, and I'm assuming they'll probably wrestle either next week on Raw or at Extreme Rules uh, as Orton left with Flair coming with him. Uh, it was, this was really good. When Randy Orton is on fire on the microphone is when he's at his best. Uh, and then it, evil Randy Orton is the absolute best Randy Orton that there is. And it, this was exceptional. 100%. Do you agree? Uh, for sure. Okay. And sorry, I heard a noise. And I didn't know if you were like, Ugh. of course not. I strongly disagree. No, I've been uh, sniffing and snoring the whole time. Uh, just trying to mute myself. <laughs> Uh, through most of it, so the audience <laughs> didn't have to listen to it. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, okay, so then we go back, and we have the Iconics versus Sasha Banks and Bailey, and uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey win in like seven minutes. Yeah, this is what I was talking about on the SmackDown review. I did see that they uh, they had this match, and this is this is kind of the reason why I didn't want Sasha and Bailey to win the tag. Team. Obviously, they defended the belts here, but they've got the Iconics match going on where like then Sasha wrestled uh, Nikki on 
SmackDown in a nothing match. And this was, I mean, it was for the titles, but really just a nothing match. And then uh, after this, Sasha's going to challenge for the uh, title next week, correct? No. Uh, so basically after the match is over, Sasha kind of looks at Bailey and she's like, I just, I have to be honest with you, Bailey. You are my best friend, but seeing you have both of those titles, it's just, it really bothers me. And I'm a little jealous. So I'd like to make a challenge. And Bailey's like, oh, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? No. And Sasha Banks is like, I want to challenge. And she looks at the camera and she says, Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. And then Bailey freaks out because she had no idea. Bailey was not in on this, apparently. And she was freaking out. And then, of course, Asuka comes out. She gets in Banks' face. Bailey attacks her. And uh, Sasha picks up the Raw title. And they both hold both titles in the air. I think they set this match for next week, though. Oscar versus not, Sasha. Honestly, I don't remember if they said next week or Extreme Rules. I really don't know. It, actually, it might be Extreme Rules. I think you're right. Uh, but yeah. I think they did set this match. So, uh, But then again, like, I, I don't think Sasha's going to win that. I think Bailey's probably going to play a part in her losing because obviously Bailey's going to be the heel coming out of this and Sasha's going to be the face. I don't know how they're going to make it work, but whatever. So, But them having the tag titles, like, I don't know. Just, I don't think it does them any favors, uh, but whatever. So it is, it is extreme rules. It is official. I'm looking okay. at it here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. There's no way Banks wins. Nia Jax and Asuka will continue to, to feud. Hopefully Nia does not win it. We'll see. And she's a SmackDown superstar. So, right. So she, yeah. Technically, she should not be challenging for the raw title, but uh, we're blurring the lines again. Because they can't go six months without blurring those lines. Yep. It, not, it doesn't help ratings. I'm sorry. They think it does. It doesn't. It never does. Uh, we go backstage, and Charlie is not there, to my amusement. Sarah's back there with MVP and Bobby Lashley. And she's like, Bobby, were you, uh, were you making a statement by attacking R-Truth? And Bobby Lashley basically blamed R-Truth for the fact that he's not the WWE champion. And MVP says that he's about to go talk to Apollo Crews. And he saw what happened when he beat Shelton Benjamin last week. Uh, but he thinks Apollo Crews needs more help. So we get another backstage segment. And Ruby Riot is like trying to approach Liv Morgan. And Liv is like, not, not right now, Ruby. And Ruby seems to like legitimately care about her. Like acting like she cares about her. And Liv's like, tonight's not the night. And she walks off. And Ruby looks like, you know, concerned. I mean, this is like a month ago, you guys hated each other's guts. Or two months ago, I guess now. Like, what, what has changed, Ruby? What has changed in your life? Did Sarah Logan getting released just make you miss your old friends? I don't know. It's poor writing. Uh, we come back and we have, we're in the VIP lounge. This is probably uh, one of the very, this is definitely one of the very few talk shows that I like, uh, even though there's no real reason to make it a talk show because MVP is just so, so good with a microphone in his hand. He calls out Apollo Crews. He basically says that he can help him. Uh, he was very impressed with him when Apollo defeated MVP to enter the Money in the Bank match, but then he blew out his knee, and he says that uh, Apollo Crews doesn't have to make the same mistakes that MVP does, although MVP did kind of get a little jab in there and say, you know, you're going to be a one, you're going to be an amazing, wonderful, terrific U.S. champion, but you won't be as good as me, but I can still, I can still make you something special. And Apollo Crews says he appreciates the offer, but no, 
MVP continues to talk and says he sees a lot of potential in uh, Apollo Crews. Shelton Benjamin comes out. They argue with each other. MVP calls for Apollo, who is a dummy and turns as Shelton Benjamin attacks him. And then MVP says, that's lesson number one. That one is free. The next one will cost you. He walks away. Shelton Benjamin versus Apollo Crews was five minutes, but good. Because, of course, it is. It's Shelton Benjamin and Apollo Crews. Apollo wins. After the match is over, Apollo's going up the ramp. MVP raises his hand and Crews says, yo, man, don't touch me. But it didn't matter what he says because Bobby Lashley comes out and he attacks Apollo Crews. And I guess that's where we're going now. And look. I love Apollo Crews, and I do not want him to lose the title. But if we're going in a U.S. championship match with Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Crews, Apollo Crews cannot defeat Bobby Lashley if they want Bobby Lashley to remain an actual threat. Because he failed to win the WWE championship. doesn't matter whose fault it was. He did not win the title. He's not getting a rematch. Now, if MVP is supposed to be coaching him to be something special, and he loses this, then Bobby Lashley and MVP lose all credibility. So as much as I want to see Apollo Crews have a nice long reign, if this is where they're going, Apollo cannot win. Is that right? I just don't want to see them up against each other because I think you're right. But, I mean, I mean, I was afraid that once Paul Heyman was out of the picture, they might try to get you know put Apollo back down because when he was on SmackDown with Bruce Prichard, uh, who is now heading SmackDown and Raw, he was beaten by Sheamus in a handicap match where – uh, Shorty G and Apollo Crews were the baby faces on a team and lost to Sheamus. So, needless to say, he's been much better on Raw. Uh, he also he's attacked them before the match even started he, yeah. because they're baby faces. Right. So, uh, he's been U.S. champion on uh, Raw. He's finally like having the best matches and like best push of his career. I would hate for him to just get beat by Bobby Lashley because I really think that would just kind of kill it. And I don't see him doing much after that. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to see them at all together, but. We'll see, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible they would just have a non-finish. I mean, of I course. Would, yeah. I would put that past WWE. So. No. Yeah, 100% they're going to do that. Or or do some know. finish where he, he they protect him in losing, but he still loses, so he loses. Yeah. <laughs> they always try to protect the people in losses, but it's worthless. Yes, it's really stupid. So we come back from the break, and then Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, I guess is what we're going to be calling him, are in the ring. Rey says, look, I appreciate you standing up for our family, but nothing scarier than when a parent is trying to reach their child and he can't do it, especially when he finds out what that child is about to do. Please do not run away from me again. And Dominic's like, I'm so sorry. So sorry, Poppy. I believe that's actually Eddie Guerrero that is Poppy. But hey, uh, so... That racist look, Dominic. This is my fight. I want you to leave. And Dominic says, "I'm not going anywhere." Seth Rollins come out here. Uh, he cuts an okay promo, and I think okay is generous. Ray's was amazing, uh, but you know Dominic's still young. He's got a lot to learn, and he's being put in the spotlight very early. So we'll see how it goes. Um, his his actual fighting—I don't want to say wrestling—but his actual fighting ability, his punches look pretty good. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Seth Rollins comes out there. He falls on his knees with his arms out, and then Austin Theory and Buddy Murphy come out. He's not your Buddy Murphy. Uh, they go in the ring. They are attacking uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic. And uh, they, as they're attacking three on two, who else to come out but Aleister Black and Humberto Carrillo? Because you always want to see the good guys outnumber the bad guys. That's really smart, especially when the good guys are winning. 
So they attack Austin Theory and Buddy Murphy. So now they are pretending to slice Seth Rollins' eye open, and they're holding him over in the corner near the steel steps. Uh, fortunately, he gets saved. And then they take out Alistair and Humberto, and Austin and Buddy Murphy are holding Rey Mysterio as Seth Rollins is trying to put Dominic's eye in the corner, or in, in the still steps, to do the same thing that he did to his dad. But no, Alistair Black and Humberto come over with still chairs. So your baby faces outnumber your heels, and two of them have still chairs. I didn't like that, but what? what I mean, whatever. I also don't like Aleister Black being in this at all because I think it devalues him as a performer, but that's an entirely other other um, conversation. But he respects Ray so much. Oh, he's learned so much from Ray. No, he hasn't. I don't know. I mean, maybe he has. Maybe he has in real life. Who's to, who's to say? But it's not been kayfabe at all, so I don't know why it's on the show. Right. But the good guys stand tall because, hey, there's four of them and two of them have weapons. So why wouldn't they? That is the end of Monday Night Raw. Um, this show was not bad. I know I've complained a lot, but most of the things that I called out were kind of nitpicky. Um, as a whole, the show was pretty good. The Akira Tozawa ninja stuff was really dumb. I don't have anything against the ninjas being on the show. It's perfectly fine uh, because if we're going to do it, we might as well lean into it, especially if it's going to be a mid-card comedy feud. Fine. This show was definitely edited. If this show was live, I will eat my own hat because this was 100% a pre-taped show. They edited so much of it uh, and some of it just seems so forced and, and thrown together, but it, it was it was fine. The show as a whole, I think, was entertaining, so I don't want to crap on it too much, even though some of it was confusing, as long as they take it somewhere. So, I don't know. If I'm going to grade it, I think I'd probably say a B-. minus. Yeah, I mean... So, I thought it was a decent show. I wasn't, you know, totally frustrated with the whole show. There were, there were some things in it that were kind of a miss and that I think they would have done differently, but uh, similar to SmackDown, I'd probably give it a, a B minus or like a C plus maybe, it, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. There's been better Raws as of late. Uh, I don't know. It, it, to your point, um, I will say the one thing I've liked about SmackDown lately is they've done a better job at like, keeping their feuds consistent and like the Jeff Hardy Sheamus feud, you know, even though they've wrestled a couple times already, they're keeping it consistent. They're keeping these other stories consistent. So uh, for the most part, uh, there's still some that are weird, but you know, that happens, but uh, hopefully they start doing that. You know, now that Bruce Pritchard's there, they can do that as well. Not that Heyman wasn't doing it, but when you have someone new take over the show, you kind of aren't sure where it's going to go, but at least SmackDown, they feel like they've been doing a little better job with that. Maybe it's because they've had a condensed roster. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I thought the show was okay. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Some of this is we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm not a big fan of Dolph Ziggler being back, like, going against the champion. I wish somebody else would get that role. But uh, maybe it's, it's – I mean, I guess it's a Vince call. He, he wants Dolph in there. Um, and I just hope we don't have another handicap match for the WWE – title whenever Rube decides to come back i love me some Dolph ziggler uh it just doesn't make any sense in a kayfabe standpoint for him to be in the title picture so that's my only problem they gotta have Dolph win the title so otis can cash in on him <laughs> that yeah. would yeah maybe so before we wrap up did you guys uh 
figure out, or did you guys see Undertaker come out and said uh, one of the reasons he left uh, WCW was to avoid wrestling a specific worker? No, I did not, no. Okay, so Undertaker talks about leaving WCW because they wanted him to go up. Now, there's a lot of reasons he left WCW, and the uh, the clickbait storyline says it's this reason, but uh, he did specifically say, uh, I want to avoid wrestling this person, so he left WCW. Do you know who that person was? One <laughs> guess each, guys. Giant Gonzalez. That is correct. That's exactly who I was going to guess. So, uh, he was trying to he was going to be wrestling El Gigante, uh, and uh, which was his name in WCW, I believe. And so he joins WWF and says, "Vince, look, I really want to work Yokozuna." Yeah, I, I heard and, that story. That's that's kind of where my guess came from. Yep, Vince Man says, "Oh, you're going to work with him. I just got someone else in mind for you at the moment." And then he points down the hall. And it's Giant Gonzalez, and Undertaker's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, no, please give me Yoko. And of course, Lex Luger got to wrestle Yokozuna. He got Giant Gonzalez, and uh, that was two of his worst matches in history. Perhaps his two very worst. Uh, actually, I thought it was. Have you seen The Last Ride, the final episode? I have not. I've completed it. Fantastic. Uh, really, really good ending. Uh, one of the. One of the, the main things in the last episode is I think it's two years ago that Debbie, uh, the Undertaker was not on the WrestleMania card and uh, he's talking to Vince and everything and and uh, he talks about, I guess the next night he was going to appear on Raw so he had to like go back for his gear like, go back home and then come back and like Vince yeah, was like, he, oh, that's he took his private jet to go fly yeah. back to Texas and then come back to just to get his wow. gear and Vince was like, oh, that's a real rookie, rookie move, leaving your gear at home. He's like, yeah, well, a real veteran would have booked me on the card. And he's like, man, we had to make room. We got this new guy coming in, Giant Gonzalez. He's really going to have a really good match tonight. <laughs> so I thought it was funny <laughs> to see him poking fun at him even all these years later about Giant Gonzalez. That's really good. That's yeah. really good. Uh, and one last thing. A couple days ago, at the end of the last ride, it was announced that The Undertaker was unofficially retiring. And I say unofficially because he said, if Vince comes ne- if Vince needs me, would I come back? I don't know. Maybe. So he'll be there at WrestleMania 38. Not 37. Yeah. Definitely 38. Uh, but I do want to say thank you, Undertaker. And I know that you guys want to echo that sentiment. Um, maybe we'll do a round table around The Undertaker. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, I, need to, I need to finish watching the last ride. I watched the very first episode. Really good. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I did hear that uh, the only downside is it's basically a series about him saying, will I retire? Or won't, will I not type thing? But uh, I did hear the last episode with like him and AJ had some good stuff on it. Uh, yeah. But when I saw the first episode, I got very angry, not the undertaker, but at Vince McMahon, because at the very end of the very first episode, he says like basically flat out undertaker's not performing up to his normal standard, which he, he's kind of said if he wasn't performing that standard, he would tell him and he would like basically pull him off to which I was like, yet you kept booking him and kept bringing yeah. him back. And you know, he, the Undertaker was only, he only was coming back because Vince was asking him to. And yep. the whole time Vince was thinking, yeah, but he's not the same guy. And I'm like, you jerk. So yeah, it tells you about who, what kind of a guy the Undertaker is, and what kind of a guy that Vince is. Yeah, it's really changed my mind on Vince. Now I think he's a horrible person. 
I knew he was pretty bad whenever CM Punk took a break from and had his surgery or whatever, like before he got fired and all that stuff happened. And Vince called him like immediately after his surgery. He's like, hey, when when can you come back? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I've heard stories about Vince and uh, yeah, he's very, uh, they're definitely cogs in the wheels so, or cogs in the machine. So and it's, yeah. it's a shame with Undertaker too, watching this documentary. It, it appears like Vince is like one of his best friends. And I'm not sure that. I mean, I think personally he is, but when it comes to his business, like there's no distinction. Like Undertaker is just a uh, a wrestler to him. And we'll talk about that when we do our Undertaker roundtable. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 114. That's right, episode 114 of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and at Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter. You can find me at Wrestle Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. You can find Kyle at Kyle.poly on the Instagram. Can't find Micah anywhere. So follow Wrestle Life Radio and then maybe you'll see some stuff he shares. There you go. That's right. Good? Yep. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We very much appreciate you. If there's anything specific you want to see or you want to hear, if there's anyone you want me to interview for Indie Focus, that would be great. Please let us know. If you have any questions for us, let us know. If you have any roundtable ideas, best and worst ideas, make sure you shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. We hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. See ya. Look at the size of that ham hock.